Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. The weekend is on the way, and that means today is the DFS show. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester, and I'll be joined by guest Justin McMahon, co-founder of DailyFantasyInsider.com, an emerging star in the DFS community. So you can be sure you're going to get great advice today. Hey, Justin, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So, Justin, I know you're a Redskins fan. Did even Redskins fans expect Kirk Cousins to emerge into this kind of quarterback in 2016? Yeah, I thought he would be really good. I was disappointed in the offseason we only gave him a one-year deal. I thought we should have locked him up long-term. Now we're about yeah. to we're about to get fleeced on. I mean, we're gonna He's going to gonna cost you guys so $25 much. million. Yeah, I know. We could have had him so much cheaper. And I've heard that they might just franchise tag him again. Uh, to uh, that's just gonna piss him off. I don't know. I don't know. And maybe I mean he's playing really well, pissed off this year. So I know that the management is probably tempted to piss him off again and just try to get another good year out of him without paying him. Um, but I say pay the man. I, I think he's worth it. I went into the season planning to grab two of Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, and Dak Prescott. I followed that strategy in exactly zero of my drafts. It would have been great. But in every league, it was like Russell Wilson or Big Ben fell. So I, I had to grab one of them. And it's just terrible. Fortunately, uh, I you know, I get to talk to these top-notch experts every week like yourself. And they talked to me into picking guys like uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Spencer Ware. And so, you know, that saved a bunch of my seasons. And uh, it's been fun. But, man, I just wish I would have just, just followed my game plan, you know? Yeah, my game plan going into every draft, which is pretty much what it is every year, is to just pick Matthew Stafford late in the draft. And uh, I Andrew Luck fell to like the sixth round, and I was like, oh, I have to pick him. So I picked Luck as my backup quarterback. I drafted my backup before I picked Stafford. And I've pretty much played – I've just played Stafford all year. And uh, now looking back on it, I was like, that was a waste. Like, I never used luck. I just hoped that he would do really well and I could trade him, but it just didn't work out. No one ever trades for a quarterback. You know, I actually had the opposite approach last week in DFS. I had my game plan and I did follow it, but my game plan was Russell Wilson at quarterback, so it just didn't uh, a matter. A lot of man. people's were. That really that was not a bad pick at yeah. all. The, all the research was there to say that Russell Wilson was going to play well. And Doug Baldwin, they just killed me. Uh, fortunately, everyone else on my team did all right. So, you know, I snuck into the top half, which is all you need to do. It worked out, but man, Russell Wilson was so disappointing. Yeah, I had a horrible week. I had Baldwin too on all my lineups. He was a huge, and at least Wilson ran for 80 yards. And I mean, Baldwin led the team in receptions, but it just wasn't enough, especially yeah. not on FanDuel with half point per catch. It just couldn't, couldn't bring me back. So, Justin, let's take a look at this week's DFS slate. We'll be covering just the Sunday games. And because sometimes I just can't control myself, you're probably going to hear my take on a, a Thursday night player that I'm really excited about or a Monday night player. Even though this is going to air on Friday, it always happens. So sorry in advance. Uh, you know, I just, I'm looking at my notes and, and I blow past him for some Thursday night players. So I just got to deal with it. All right, let's start. Let's start at the quarterback position. Uh, Drew Brees. I, I think he's clearly a great cash game play this week. But where do you stand on him for GPPs? So we project Breeze and Stafford to be the two highest on QBs this weekend. And we usually like to target Breeze at home, as everyone knows about his home away splits, but that obviously inflates his ownership. Uh, we think this week you could fade him in GPPs and not lose any sleep over it. The game does have the highest total on the board, but that doesn't mean that you have to have Breeze take down GPPs. You'd have to pay a premium price for him on both sites, and there's quite a lot of other options at QB that have that much upside with just significantly more downside um, and they're a lot cheaper. So in cash games, he's great, like you said, but I don't think you have to play him in GPPs, although he should be very solid this week. You know, the thing about Drew Brees is 
as expensive as he is, 9,300, you know, he's, he's got to get himself 28 fantasy points to hit value in GPP. And you're thinking like, man, that's going to be really tough to do. He's already blown past that three times this season. There's only been 10 performances all season where a quarterback gets four more touchdowns. Drew Brees has three of them. Nobody else has more than one. Drew Brees has three of them. So if it's going to happen, it's this week face Detroit. I like Drew Brees in cash games. I like Drew Brees in GPPs. Um, But like you said, Matthew Stafford, we don't have him quite as high, uh, quite as high owned as Drew Brees. Um, So, you know, it it could kind of be a circumstance where you might want to fade Brees and play Stafford, but uh, they're both very quality plays this week. Yeah, and if you really want to take a contrarian approach in GBPs, you could fade that entire game. And if it happened to be, if it's a low-scoring affair, then which is always possible, then uh, you would really have a leg up on most of the people in the whole league. I'm glad you brought this up because the game theory behind this it really does make a lot of sense. I mean, what are the statistical odds that that this game is a low-scoring game? Maybe like 15, 20 percent. Yeah, I mean, so most people are going to look at the over-under on a game and instantly start thinking about the upper 50% likelihood yeah. that it goes over. You know, they think, oh my gosh, it's projected for 60 points. That's so many. The game is going to be like 42 to 42. And it's, and, and it's like, that's not what 60 projected points means. And it's half the time, it's supposed to be under 60 points. Um, and then I'd say probably, like you said, maybe 10 to 20% of the time, it's going to be in the 40s or 30s. Um, and, and then maybe even like 5% of the time, it'll be like that s- terrible Seattle-Arizona game where it was 6-6. Six to six. So Yeah, or the uh, the Saints-Giants game that just killed everybody. If you were one of the like 2 or 3% that actually faded that game, and, and I would have called you an idiot at the time, then uh, then you won, right? Yeah, you know, I, usually, I do that almost every week. Because um, the difference between the highest over-under projected total and the second and third is just a few points. And the ownership on the absolute highest one is just going to be so high. So I often fade that game and just try to, as long as you can find plays that are projected for about the same amount of points, uh, then then you should be fine. Even if Breeze goes for 28, as long as your value QB also hits value, uh, then, then you'll be fine. And if Breeze happens to have a bad game and, and so does Stafford, it's just a slow, drawn-out game, um, then you'd be in a great spot. Now, if you are fading this game, uh, I'm a big fan of Russell Wilson. Look, I, I know he burned me last week, but I'm buying into it again. Face Carolina on Sunday night. Do you think he bounces back this week as a strong play? Yeah, we actually really like Russell Wilson. We liked him a lot last week, just like you did. And uh, we liked him a lot this week, particularly because he burned so many people last week. I think a lot of people uh, in DFS are biased towards how players performed when they were in their lineups. So... I think a lot of people will be off Wilson, partly because recency bias and partly for uh, just if you had him last week, you don't want him again this week. Um, but one main reason we really like him is that we saw flashes of his legs getting back underneath him. He carried the ball eight times last week for 80 yards. And while exactly. that, that doesn't scream he's back like it was just an amazing game. But had it been an amazing game, then his ownership would have gone way up and he would have actually produced well for his fantasy owners. But it's just enough to show us like the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and another reason we like him is that Carolina's defense is banged up pretty bad. And if Luke Keekley misses another game, uh, then the field should be wide open for Baldwin and Graham, who are in above-average matchups to begin with. So Wilson could be in for a huge day passing and running. Yeah, I 100% agree, but I have a little bit of hesitancy because their offensive line gave up 23 pressures 
to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week. I mean, what's the over-under this week against Carolina, who has a much better pass rush? It's got to be like 15, right? That's extremely high. Yeah, I mean, that is a huge concern. It's tough picking offensive players with bad offensive lines. I mean, we did it last week with Jay Ajayi, and they were missing uh, three offensive linemen. Um, and even though uh, one of the guys filling in was technically a better run blocker, I mean, it's still, they, they lack the chemistry. You can see it on yeah. the field. And uh, so we thought that they would be all right against San Francisco because they're just by far the worst run D, and they were missing their worst run defender. So we thought, all right, a bad team against bad team. Jay Ajayi leads the league in yards after contact, so he should be able to push through. But, I mean, he really didn't. He had a few big runs, but he couldn't break off a big one like he's done in the past, and that, that really held him back. But, but yeah, picking in with bad offensive lines is, is just risky. And, you know, you've got to take some risks. If you're playing GPP, uh, you could find – a risk with every single player, except probably David Johnson. But, um, you know, the risk with David Johnson is he's going to be owned in 75% of leagues, right? Right. And it's football, so you could get injured on the first play like A.J. Green. Now, our model shows that Matt Barkley and Tyrod Taylor are strong value plays. If you're trying to save money at the quarterback position, who are you going for? Are you in agreement about these guys? Yeah, yeah, we like both those guys. I think a lot of people are going to think, Matt Barkley looked pretty good last week, but we have to remember how he's been in the past and how much he struggled when any little thing is off. Uh, and I think a lot of people will decide, let's let's wait one more week and see if that was an outlier or something that we can expect in the future. But he actually looked really good. The Bears dropped 10 passes last game. I don't think I've seen that in my lifetime. 10 dropped passes in one game. Um, but I, I would consider Matt Barkley. I mean, they also dropped a game-winning touchdown. And... He could have had so many more points. The drives would have stayed alive. And despite all that, he really had a good week. I mean, considering that he had 10 passes that should have been completed, he went 28 for 54. He's still minimum salary against San Francisco. I mean, it's it's an intriguing play without a doubt. Yeah, so in order to hit value, he needs 18 points. We're projecting him at 16.1. That's ahead of guys Blake Bortles, Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill, a bunch of other quarterbacks. And so uh, the chances of him hitting value, uh, GPP value, are about 30, 35% this week. And you just never have that. You have that maybe two, three times a season. I know it's already happened once this season, and it happened. The guy reached GPP value. He's a really good bet. Um, with that being said, you know, maybe Drew Brees is going to go off for 33 points again. If you don't have him, you're not winning your GPP. But besides uh, besides Brees, I think Barkley is a tremendous value this week. Yeah, the big concern for Barkley is that there's a decent chance that the game, it'll be snowing in Chicago. And uh, game time temperature is projected at 39 degrees. There's going to be 14 mile an hour wind. And if it's snowing, Matt Barkley went to high school near me in Southern California. And then he played at USC. He's never played in bad weather. So if it's snowing, I don't know how you really prepare a Southern California boy to play in the snow. It's not like you can just create fake snow like you can pump crowd noise in to prepare someone to play in Seattle. I mean, there's very limited things you can actually do to prepare someone to play in the snow. So if it's actively snowing, there's no chance I'll play him. You know, Tyrod Taylor, I'm not so sure he's the uh, the sexiest GPP play this week. I mean, you look at his stats, he hasn't got above 300 yards all season. He's got one game with three touchdowns, so he's not just going to smash value, but I think he's a pretty safe bet to hit value because virtually every week he's getting 30, 40, 50 rushing yards. 
Um, you know, they're going to be throwing the ball against Oakland. It's probably going to end up being a more of a shootout than Buffalo's used to playing in. And Oakland does give up a lot of points to fantasy quarterbacks. So I think Taylor's a pretty good bet to be uh, right around 20, 22 points this week. And that's really good for GPP value. He's at 7,400 on FanDuel. So he'll be coming up on GPP value, but I just think he's a real safe cash game play. Yeah, I mean, Taylor's interesting because his running ability always provides his floor. Uh, he, it always pushes up his floor regardless of how bad he's throwing. Uh, his receiving core is all sorts of banged up, but we saw how the offense opens up when Watkins is out there on the field. So as we see more practice reps for Watkins, hopefully we can move Taylor up or down. Uh, if Watkins is good to go, then everyone needs to have interest in Taylor at his price, just for the savings that he allows. Uh, and just limited work, Watkins had three grabs for 80 yards. So if his workload is expanded, then Taylor could pay off huge for that price. And the upside is there. Uh, I don't think we've really seen it this year, but Taylor is capable of breaking off an 80-yard touchdown run. He can kind of fake it on the option and just get get the sideline, and he's gone. Um, so it hasn't happened yet this year where he had an 80-yard or 75-yard touchdown run, but he's definitely capable of doing it. So the, the upside for him is always is always kind of on the table, even though he's not going to throw for 400 yards. Justin, do you have a contrarian quarterback that people should be giving consideration to this week? Uh, you know, Tom Brady, as funny as that sounds, we think he's going to be under-owned this week. Uh, as usual, he's one of the top-priced QBs, and I just think most people will plug in Breeze if they're spending up. I could see Tom Brady coming in around 10% ownership, which is crazy to think about. Um, but in addition, we like to look and see what Vegas has the game at, and right now it's at just 44. So I think most people will see that and just think, all right, low scoring, let's look somewhere else. Um, but take a look at the team total, and it's pushing 30 points. That's nearly as high as the Saints at home. Vegas sees this game as a high-scoring affair for Brady and company. It's supposed to be a huge blowout, um, but the Patriots are not usually a team that takes the foot off the pedal. So Brady could actually put up three or four touchdowns in the first half and, and, and hit value right away. So I don't know if we'll do it, but he, he could be an interesting contrarian play because no one likes a QB that's a big favorite. You know, based on what I saw out of Los Angeles last week, if that if it's forty four on that game, it might just be forty four to zero. Uh, the Patriots are just gonna crush the Rams. It's gonna be ugly. Brady threw the ball fifty times last week. Before this week, before last week, he hadn't thrown it more than forty, and he's still been putting up you know twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine fantasy points virtually every single week. So you know if he keeps throwing the ball at this rate, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he if he airs it out forty plus times once again. You're right. He could be right back there, top quarterback of the week. And uh, we have him right there at 10%, just like you said. So he's going to be low-owned. And I think there's more of it, more than a 10% chance that he's the top quarterback of the week. For me, the guy's Cam Newton. I threw him out as a contrarian play last week. And look, I, I know he's been bad. Uh, I was saying on the last podcast, there might be something wrong with him. He just doesn't look like himself. But this is a player that no matter the matchup, he can absolutely go off like nobody else. I know he's playing Seattle. He's playing in a, a primetime Sunday night game. Don't be surprised if he ends up being the top quarterback of the week. And at 7,600, to be able to say that about a quarterback, I mean, he's all the way down there at the 14th highest price quarterback this week. And he's got a chance to be number one. Now, I'm not betting on it, but if you're going GPP, he's a good contrarian play. We've got him at 4% owned this week. Yeah, I would expect his ownership to be super, super low in Seattle. Um, but like you said, he has so much upside. He's a lot like... Tyrod Taylor, where he could he could pick up a touchdown or two on the ground, and that makes him hit value easily. Now, Justin, moving over to the running back position, I already highlighted David Johnson just a little bit. He's going to be owned in near 50% of lineup. Should we chalk him or fade him? 
You know, it's it's so tough to say to completely fade the best back in football, uh, but you can make a strong argument for it anytime a guy carries that high of ownership. This week, we're without Zeke in the main slate, so it'll really come down to do you want DJ or Bell, or even drop some to get some value backs. We have Jordan Howard as a must-have for us this week. Um, so that leaves us one other running back spot. And we might use DJ or Bell. Both of those guys are just so good. I mean, they it seems like they would have to get injured to not at least put up a minimum value uh, of, of a decent floor. And, and this week he matches up with my Redskins that can absolutely be beat on the ground. Uh, they're not horrible against the run, but DJ is another animal. And uh, he has the chance any given week to catch 10 balls and get 200 total yards from scrimmage. So we can't say fade him. With other backs in good spots, we could make a case against him. But honestly, I hate to say it, I might have to use him even against my Redskins. I used Zeke yeah. Elliott on Thanksgiving. I had to do it. I definitely agree. Uh, David Johnson is just a freak of nature. Only once in the past decade before this season has a running back gone for double-digit points in every single game of the season. So far this season, David Johnson's done it. So has Ezekiel Elliott. These two young running backs are just amazing. Now, we already talked about Elliott's on the on the Thursday night slate, so that leaves David Johnson, who you know is going to get double-digit points, especially, I'm sorry, against this Redskins defense. At 9200 that's not a terrible price. I'd think about not playing him at 10000 but, um, you know, cash games, I'm definitely playing David Johnson. GPP, yeah, I'm probably playing David Johnson. I, I think if you don't play him, uh, you're hurting yourself. Now, I completely agree on Jordan Howard this week. He's the absolute number one must-play. Tell me why you think so as well. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we like the Bears' offense against this 49ers defense as a whole. I mean, we were talking about Barkley. But if the weather is bad, then it's going to just have to be all Jordan Howard. And the Niners are so much worse on the ground than any other team that even the second-worst rush defense in the Browns is allowing 30 fewer yards a game than the 49ers defense. They are so bad. And obviously they burned us last week with Ajayi, but I would pick Ajayi again in the same situation. I I mean, I think that anyone against the Niners should be considered, and Howard is actually really good. I mean, if you watch some of his highlight film, I mean, he is just a really talented running back. I don't think he's getting enough attention because Dak and Zeke are just stealing the NFC rookie spotlight. Uh, and obviously the Bears aren't winning games, so it's not interesting to talk about him. But as far as fantasy relevance, I think he's one of the top running backs in the NFC, and he's about to have a huge game, in my opinion. So let's say the draft for the 2017 fantasy football season was today. Are you taking Jordan Howard in the first two rounds? Oh, man, I don't know. It depends where he's projected. I mean, hopefully I can get him later. Uh, but yeah, I would consider it. If, if, as long as they don't go out and do something in the offseason um, that will make it look like he's not going to get all the work. Because right now he's getting all the work for them, which is what makes him so valuable. He's catching a lot of passes. He's been getting a lot more targets in the last few weeks, and Barkley really showed a willingness to dump it off to him. He dropped a few balls, but if he catches those, I mean, he, he could really have a huge week. So I might draft him next year, yeah, in the first couple of rounds. Jordan Howard, he's you? really good, man. I'm, I'll be keeping an eye on him for sure. Uh, I almost feel like this is the kind of situation where people are going to be looking at him like, you know, they looked at Jeremy Langford last year. Jeremy Langford looked kind of exciting in a few games, and they're going to think, oh, Jeremy Langford just burned us, so I'm not buying into another Bears running back. They're completely different. Jeremy Langford can do one thing, and he does it pretty well, but that's the extent of who he is. Jordan Howard can be a running back one. Uh, he could be an elite running back in this league one day, and it might even happen next year. 
Um, so yeah, I'm excited about him. I tried to get him in dynasty leagues. It's a little late now because of the trade deadline, but you know, off season, if his stock is still this low, it's way too low. You should be making a move for him. Now our projection model also likes Theo Riddick as a quality play this week. I'm looking at his game log and I'm just not too sure. I mean, he's had three great games besides that. He's been less than mediocre. How do you feel about him? You know, so this year I have said twice to our users at DFI that I think you should pick Jordan Riddick, uh, Theo Riddick this week, excuse me. And uh, both of those weeks were by far his biggest weeks. I, I, I said to pick him on the week he had 26 and another week where he had 27. And that's a largely coincidental um, that I got it that spot on. But I like him again in this matchup. I think that he'll be heavily involved. If I was going to pick a player from this game and not fade the whole thing, uh, it would it might be Theoretic, especially on DraftKings. I mean, Theoretic is still getting the targets. Having Ebron back hurts him a little bit, um, but Ebron is just he's he's hit or miss, and and Riddick is a lot more consistent, uh, especially on DraftKings. Like I said, where he's going to catch probably five passes and and give you a nice floor. That's a good point. I was talking about standard league scoring, but DraftKings, we're getting full point PPR. Yeah, you're right. He's really, really consistent there. That's a good call. Yeah, and he's only 5,800, and he actually leads the team in red zone targets, which is just really amazing considering how small he is. Um, But Stafford loves to try to run these little short screens in the red zone to try to get Theoretic in. Uh, And he's actually, he's caught four touchdown passes, uh, so he's not turning them all into touchdowns, but for a running back to four touchdown receptions is, is pretty good. And he could have he could have more. He's been tackled with inside the five quite a few times, and then they've done something else. But around the ten to fifteen yard line, they love to run a screen to Theoretic, and every now and then he gets him in. Now, Justin, am I crazy to be psyched about Jeremy Hill this week against the Philadelphia defense? I love his price. I love that he's going to be getting a ton of touches. But is this matchup just too bad for him? Um, ah, it's tough. I don't. So last week we wrote an article on our site about why you should definitely not play Jeremy Hill. And we said, I don't think he gets more than 30 yards against the Ravens. And I think he finished with 20 yards. So that was spot on. But he actually got way more usage in the passing game than we expected. We had heard from someone within the Bengals that Rex Burkhead was going to get a lot of looks on passing downs. And that was just simply not the case. Jeremy Hill had six receptions for 61 yards. Uh, And he still wasn't a great play because he didn't get anything on the ground and no touchdowns. But he should get more than 21 rushing yards against the Eagles. So if he's going to get that kind of usage in the passing game, uh, then he could be a great play. So, no, I don't think you're crazy for liking him, even though, like you said, it's not a great matchup. He's going to be low-owned, right? Like 3-4%. So, um, you know, I just look at this guy who's probably going to get himself 20 touches, and he's going to get all the red zone carries. A.J. Green's gone, so they're probably going to run the ball even more in the red zone because they're not going to trust Andy Dalton without A.J. Green. So, I think Jeremy Hill, even in this matchup, man, uh, he's just a safe play. Now, GPP, I'm staying away from him. I don't think he can have a, a huge game against Philadelphia. I just don't think it's really possible. But remember, he went for 17, 97 yards, and two touchdowns against Denver in week three. So, um, you know, he's got it in him. There's a reason he was drafted in the top five two years ago in fantasy football. He's a really talented young player. And now that he's not, you know, being challenged by Gio Bernard and A.J. Green, Man, he could just go off here at the end of the season. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He could have a big week anytime. Which forgotten running back do you think can emerge as a top option this week? So this is truly a forgotten running back. Devontae Booker 
is a complete yeah. workhorse. I mean, he's had over 25 touches two weeks in a row. And I haven't seen his name come up one time. It's now Thursday afternoon, and I haven't seen his name anywhere. Um, I don't know what Fantasy Pros has him projected for as far as ownership, but I bet it's pretty low. And and I don't know how you get a guy playing against Jacksonville's weak run defense who's getting 25 touches a game, who's 5,100 on DraftKings and 6,400 on FanDuel. I mean, Theo Riddick costs more than him. And he's like, he's obviously good, um, but on FanDuel, he costs more than him, and it's not PPR. And I don't know. I would. I think Booker is like a guy that just hasn't been getting the touchdowns, and it's just mostly a coincidence. And uh, you should look for him to. I mean, he's got the workhorse role. In the first two weeks that he started getting over twenty touches a week, he scored a touchdown in both weeks, and then his price shot up to like seven thousand. And now he hasn't been scoring, but he's doing it. the same thing he was doing before uh, without the touchdown. So if he can score a touchdown, he'll crush value. That's a really good play. He wasn't even on my radar, but he's got to be now. I'm looking at him right now. We project him for 12.8 in a standard scoring league. So probably about 15 for FanDuel at $6,400. That's right there near GPP value. And that's just his projection. So there's a good chance he could go well over that. Uh, that's a nice play, Justin. I'm glad you brought him up. You uh, you really sold me on him. How about Doug Martin at San Diego? San Diego's a pretty good matchup for running backs. Uh, he's the 19th highest priced guy in FanDuel. We project him for the 13th most points. So that plus six difference, that's a really big swing. And Doug Martin, once again, he was drafted in the first two rounds. Um, he's getting a ton of carries, 24 two weeks ago, 23 last week against Seattle. He had 87 yards. I think he gets it done this week. Yeah, you know, he's he's definitely a good play. I'm just worried that his ownership would be higher than Booker's because his name is in the news now that he's coming back. Uh, I feel like any time a guy, like, I mean, he's he's been back, I guess, but uh, I, I don't know. I've seen his name pop up quite a few times, but for good reason. I mean, for very good reason. He's he's a workhorse just like Booker. They've actually each gotten the same amount of carries the last two weeks, which is interesting, and they've gotten about the same amount of rushing guards. Um, and a, a matchup with San Diego is also a good matchup, so... I think if you wanted to just listen to this podcast and just go ahead and play Booker and Doug Martin, I think you'd be in a good spot. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm making a lineup right now, and I've got those two in there, and I'm circling it like 20 times because I'm really excited about those two right now. Maybe they'll let me get four running backs in there because I also really like David Johnson and Jordan Howard. So I don't know. They, they've got to. I mean, they got to make it up to me for that Kings 76ers game, right? Yeah, they should. They should allow you to. You know, I I tweeted at FanDuel a couple weeks ago saying, can I play nine power forwards tonight instead of the normal NBA lineup? And uh, they responded with a no. So so we'll see. They didn't do it for me, but let me know if they do it for you. I don't know, man. I'm kind of a no-name in in DFS. Like, I'm sure they know who you are. So if they're not giving you nine power forwards, I wasn't even going to ask them, like, you know, to get rid of a position. I was just going to say, give me two extra running backs. So, yeah, they probably won't do it. All right, wide receiver. We've got four clear-cut top guys. You could make a case for any of them, but I want to know how you rank these guys. We've got Mike Evans. I'm giving you my order right now. Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., and Julio Jones. How do you have them? That's interesting. I think we might actually have Julio as our favorite expensive guy. Uh, And on Fandle, he's priced a little low, and we think he should be almost a lock at 8.3 thousand. But the next guy would be Antonio. 
uh, OBJ, and then we might put Evans last. Um, Antonio is at home, and we know Ben and company enjoy that home field advantage. OBJ is extremely close as well since Pittsburgh struggles against top wideouts. Uh, and then there's Evans. It's, it's hard to pick apart any of them, but Evans traveling across country uh, and then facing a San Diego defense that's actually shown a pretty good ability to intercept passes. And Jameis has such a low QB rating when he throws at Mike Evans. And obviously it's great for Mike Evans' fantasy owners, but Winston just forces the ball to him winning. You really shouldn't. And San Diego could pick off quite a few of those passes where other DBs drop them. Their, their DBs have good hands. Um, so that could limit Evans if they're just turning the ball over repeatedly. So San Diego defense is actually someone that's kind of on our watch list as a contrarian play. We've got all four of these guys projected for at least 16.5 points in a standard league. So when you go full PPR DraftKings, we're talking like 24, 25 points. All four of them could be in for huge weeks. Nobody else is anywhere close to them. So is this the week where maybe you get three of these guys in your lineup? Uh, Yeah, I mean... It's, that's not going to differentiate you at all. Uh, if you're in cash, then maybe. But there's, I'd say every week, 10% of the teams go cheap QB, cheap tight end, mid-level running backs, and the top three wide receivers. So, so many people are going to do it that I think you have to at least mix in one receiver that's kind of under the radar or at least not the most expensive guy. For us, that's going to be Tyreek Hill. I mean, he's our must-have uh, at DFI. We were talking him up even against the Broncos in our chat room saying that he really could go off, and he ended up with three touchdowns. Obviously, the special teams one um, is, is a little just a bit lucky, but that is his role in the team, and he's a Swiss Army knife for them, so he's a lot cheaper, and that could let you get David Johnson at running back. Tyreek Hill, man, has just been so incredibly impressive. I love Sammy Watkins this week, and only for GPP. There's no way I'm playing him in cash games. Um, just because he's been so off and on his entire career, you know, he's got the foot problem. And by the time this records, it might come out that he misses the week. That's just how his career has gone. But if he plays, keep in mind, this guy was drafted at the end of third rounds this year. And the only reason he wasn't drafted higher is because of injury concerns. And they turned out to be right. But he was by far the most he was by far the most efficient wide receiver in football last year. So when he's on the field, I mean, he, he is way too low priced for his talent level. He's the only guy in that wide receiver core that can make plays. And uh, I think if he plays, he could be in for a huge week at that price point. Yeah, if he's a full go, I would love to have Watkins on my team. But if I hear that he's limited, if he'll be on limited snaps, it's just very hard to know. Is that going to be 15 or is that going to be 50? So that yeah, GPP play, unless you hear that he's definitely a full go. So, Justin, if you're not spending up for one of those top four wide receivers and you still have a lot of money to spend at the position, who are some other guys that we should be looking at? Yeah, so a a guy that we like a little bit below then, if you want to drop down, is Larry Fitzgerald. And he burned everybody last week. uh, So hopefully that could keep his ownership down a little bit. But the Redskins have had a tough time with some slot receivers this year. And I could definitely see Fitzgerald carving up this Redskins secondary. It pains me to say it, but... I could see David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald having big days. Um, And hopefully the Redskins end up winning the game anyway. But uh, as a DFS player, and you're probably not a Redskins fan, unlikely. uh, So you you probably don't care. I would go, I would consider Larry Fitzgerald a pretty good option. And and also Doug Baldwin again. I mean, he's 6,900. So he's only 1,400 less than Julio Jones. But I mean, Doug Baldwin, it's, it's kind of the, 
it's a good matchup again. I mean, he, he wasn't good last week, but if everyone performed well in every good matchup, then there would be no randomness to DFS and it wouldn't be fun. So right. uh, trust him again in a good matchup, and hopefully this time it pays yeah, off. Yeah, Baldwin's going to be low-owned, and we have not projected as a top-10 wide receiver. His price is nowhere near it. Um, so that's a good play. Now, you're telling me Josh Norman's not going to be on Larry Fitzgerald because he's in the slot? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he will. Norman has covered the slot very little this year. So, Great. That's uh, good news. Yeah, and I don't think that the other Arizona receivers are so bad that they would force Norman to go cover Fitzgerald in a position he's not used to covering. So I would think they'll let Norman cover his side of the field and he won't be shadowing because he doesn't like to shadow. He has said that he doesn't want to have to shadow um, and he, he doesn't do it every week. So this seems like a week where he won't. But we'll yeah. see. I mean, you never know. Coaches don't always tell you ahead of time, but we don't expect it to shadow fit. Whoever is being guarded by Josh Norman this week might as well just quit before the game because after the Des Bryant dispute, um, he's going to be so fired up. You watch this guy play, and he's just amazing. Now, he's not in the right scheme anymore. He fit really well in that Carolina defense, and he's still great in Washington, but man. This week, I feel so bad for Malcolm Floyd or, or whoever it's going to be because Josh Norman is going to bring it. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's tough for elite corners is guys like Sherman and Norman, their rankings on their stats on people that they cover are so good that they earn this reputation for being just an unbelievable lockdown corner, which they are, uh, but they're so good at their side of the field. They've trained to lock down that side of the field. And then they get so good that everyone demands that they go shadow someone, which is not what they're used to doing. Um, so it just it, it makes it harder for Norman, who's still having an incredible year statistically, but it just makes it harder for him to shut down everybody. Because if, if Fitzgerald goes off, Norman will get blamed. That People will say, why is Josh Norman not on him? He's not a slot cover corner. He's covered the slot 6% of all plays this year. And that's often because no one receiver lines up on his side of the field based on the formation, so he has to just move in and cover the slot receiver. Um, it's not like he's just moving into the slot when there is a left wide receiver and he just doesn't bother covering them. So, or I guess it's right wide receiver because he's the left corner. Um, so I just pulled it up real quick, and Floyd and J.J. Nelson have each run about 40% of their routes on the right side of the field. So I just wouldn't play either. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't bother because neither of them are good enough that you're thinking, all right, well, if they run 40% of their routes against Bashad Breland, that'll be worth it. Breland's not – he's not good, but he's not bad enough. Our worst corner statistically is Kendall Fuller, and he has covered the slot 100% of the time he's been on the field this year. So if he's in, that which he plays most of the snaps, and Larry Fitzgerald is in who runs 65% of his routes out of the slot – it should be fuller on Fitzgerald all game. I'll say this. there's In this price range, there's one wide receiver that I'm steering everybody away from. I'm sorry if I end up wrong, but Jordy Nelson is going to be covered by A.J. Bowie down there in Houston. And A.J. Bowie is taking over the NFL. He's the, the no-name superstar that Josh Norman was last year for Carolina. He is really 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 good so I'm all over Devontae Adams I think Aaron Rodgers is still gonna have get his his stats but I don't think it's gonna come to Jordy Nelson I am staying away from him yeah I wouldn't touch any of the Packers receivers I I mean Nelson Rodgers had one good game and I mean he's had quite a few good games I guess but last I mean he really looked good on prime time so now everyone thinks oh Rodgers is fine he's out of his funk but the other corners 
are not bad either. Jonathan Joseph, Kareem Jackson, and A.J. Bowie are all three of the top-rated corners in the league. So I, I wouldn't intentionally target any of these Packers receivers. There's so many options in this Packers offense between Ty Montgomery, James Starks catches passes, Jared Cook catches passes, then you have Adams, you have Cobb, you have Nelson. At this point, who are you targeting against a good Houston defense? I don't know. Someone will be worth it, but I think it's a complete crapshoot. And anyone who tells you that they know which of those six targets will actually end up being worth it against Houston, I think they're they're just they don't understand the situation. Yeah, yeah, completely grim. I'm glad you brought that up. Justin, are there a few bump plays or maybe just one that you think might be worth sneaking into your lineup this week? Yeah, I mean, Malcolm Mitchell is a great play. For his price of 3.6K on DraftKings, uh, he's shown amazing chemistry with Brady, which is rare for a rookie wide receiver from the Patriots. They don't usually let their rookies get reps in practice, but they've had to this year, um, and, and Brady has worked a lot with Mitchell, and he's really come alive since Gronk got hurt. And now that Gronk is out from surgery, he should continue to be involved and last week, Tremaine Johnson and the Rams took away Brandon Cooks. And I think we all know how bad that was. He put up a zero while this team scored 42 points on offense. Incredible. And Tremaine Johnson is supposed to cover Edelman and could do the same thing to him. I keep getting people tweeting at me saying, now that Gronk is out, is Edelman a lock? Uh, that's just, I mean, if, if ownership is high on Edelman, people could just get burned again. Uh, we'll see, because Johnson doesn't cover the slot all that often. He covers it sometimes, um, but it's usually Lamarcus Joyner. But he's really good, too. And uh, he actually, some people think he's better than Tremaine Johnson. So the only guy who really projects to have a good matchup is Malcolm Mitchell. He's going to have EJ Gaines, who's probably one of the worst corners in football. If LA could get one more good corner, they would have such a good secondary. But Gaines is the weak spot for them. And uh, I think Malcolm Mitchell, he's going to be lined up against him most of the game. So he could be the guy that has a huge game while everybody else is on Edelman and Bennett. Now, there's two real cheap plays that I'm super fond of this week. We've got Will Fuller at Green Bay, who's kind of the forgotten man. 5600 on FanDuel, real cheap also on DraftKings. And Green Bay, as we know, has just been absolutely horrible in their secondary. Everybody's hurt. Now, I know he's got Brock Osweiler, but look what he did at the beginning of the season. 107, 104 in his first two games ever. Uh, Finally, he's healthy again. He went for 60 last week. I think the big game's coming. I think it's this week. And at that price point, I love Will Fuller. Yeah, if there was ever a week that he was about to go off, it has to be against Green Bay. Like, if he can't beat these guys deep, Pierre Garçon caught a 70-yard touchdown. I mean, that's how bad this secondary is with stopping deep threats right now. They're just getting beat over the top repeatedly, and that's what Will Fuller does. So, yeah. it, like you said, I mean, he could go off, and if you look at what he did in the beginning of the season when he was healthy, he was fantastic. Obviously, he could be wide open all by himself, and the pass could end up nowhere near him because it's coming from Brock Osweiler. But you have to hope that Osweiler can deliver a decent throw if he gets really, really open. Speaking of the Packers secondary, I forgot to mention, I love DeAndre Hopkins this week, too. I like him a lot. Yeah, I mean, that secondary is so bad, you could make a case for anyone. Uh, you Even if, if Clay Matthews is hurt, you could even go with Fedorowicz. Uh, you could you can make a case for that whole offense. And then at that point, it seems like it's hard not to make a case for Brock Osweiler. But yeah. uh, he's so bad, uh, there's, <laughs> there's no way. There's just no way I'll play him. I, I've been... I've fallen for it once or twice this year, tried to use him with all the stats in his favor, and he just totally burned me. All right, how about Doriel Green Beckham? Three straight weeks, 
55 yards, 54 yards, 82 yards. He's been feeling it lately. Carson Wentz is throwing the ball. Jordan Matthews is a little bit banged up. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is a little bit banged up. Is this a week that he breaks out, maybe gets a touchdown or two at, at the minimum price is a real good play? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to say yes. So he was a must-have for us. Uh, we locked him in on our Eagles stack of players for the primetime slate against the Packers. And that first drive, he had five targets. And we thought, oh my gosh, what a play. And then he went completely silent for a quarter and a half. And then he had like three more targets on one drive. And then he was completely silent again. So it was really bizarre. Like I watch a lot of the Eagles games, unfortunately, because my housemates are from Philadelphia. And nothing about Green Beckham is ever consistent. uh, And nothing about him ever says like next week for sure. So it's very tough to say what he's going to do. But he, his numbers, when you look at his game logs, it actually looks like he's consistent. Um, but I think when you watch him on the field, he's anything but. So he could go off because he's 6'6", and he's actually really fast too. He has the, the complete freak athlete build where he should be able to go off 200 yards every week. But he never seems to put it all together for a four quarters. Um, but like you said, for minimum salary, you can't expect to have a guy who's going to dominate for four quarters. I don't know. It's it's tough to trust him, but for minimum salary, yeah, I don't know if you really need a minimum salary receiver this week. Um, but if you feel like you do, then he's he's definitely a good play. Are there any other wide receivers we've overlooked to this point that are worth considering? Uh, no, I think we've touched on enough, at least at this point in the week. Uh, some injuries could open some stuff up. You know, we do like Jarvis Landry. We think he's being overlooked. His price is really low at 5.4K. Uh, and we think he should get some looks against the Baltimore defense that will that usually shuts down the run. So if they can shut down Ajayi, um, then they should be throwing, and Landry catches a lot of short passes. So we also think Marvin Jones could be overlooked since he's been taking a backseat to Golden Tate. Um, but he goes up against the Saints, and he was actually targeted 11 times last week. So it's not like they've completely left Marvin Jones out of the offense. And he's 4400 on DraftKings. His price yeah. has fallen so much. Uh, he's the kind of guy who, earlier in the year, went for 205 yards and two touchdowns against Green Bay. The Saints are just as bad as Green Bay's secondary. So, in theory, he could put up another monster week. He's a guy that I want to mention, Marvin Jones. There's two other guys. Marquise Wilson, we saw what he did last week. He gets San Francisco. We talked about Matt Barkley. Obviously, if it snows, I'm not playing Marquise Wilson, but he's someone to at least consider. And then Dontrell Inman against Tampa Bay. Dontrell Inman has been really consistent, 119 yards last week and a touchdown. Maybe he keeps getting on the field this week if uh, if everybody's hurt again and gets a lot of targets because you know Phillip Rivers is going to throw the ball. So I'm keeping an eye on Inman and in that uh, that San Diego injury status. So uh, we'll see what happens there, but I might be plugging him into my lineups too. All right, moving over to tight end. Zach Ertz and Jimmy Graham are the guys I like this week. Is there another option that stands out to you? You know, it's a tough week for the tight end spot. A lot of guys are in below average matchups. So we seem to be spending down at tight end this week. We like the Ertz play quite a bit. um, But he's one of the most frustrating players this season as he's burned just about everyone this year. I I mean, I'm sure everyone has fallen into the Zach Ertz is about to go off this week. And it's just not happening. And the matchup with the Bengals is calling us back to the well again as they can be beat in the middle of the field. Uh, With some of the other receiving options banged up, we could see another double-digit target game, and hopefully he snatches more than a few and gets in the end zone. Um, But it's just it's becoming hard to trust him. And another guy we really have interest in is Eric Ebron. And we'll sound like a broken record on this, but 
because uh, we thought he'd be pretty good on Thanksgiving. He did absolutely nothing. But this could be a big bounce back for him. Prior to being shut out last Thursday, he was seeing a healthy amount of targets for a couple weeks in a row, and he was getting double-digit fantasy points without scoring a touchdown. So something we really like to see, because he can do damage without getting into the end zone, unlike most tight ends who, who need a touchdown. Ebron is consistently used across the entire field, with the exception of last week, against the Vikings, who are a fantastic defense. Um, but this could be a good bounce-back week for him. I agree. I love Ebron, too. I love Ebron every single week. And, uh, you know, it was a bummer. I played him on Thanksgiving, too. But what are you going to do? I mean, he's been so consistent all season. And then he he lays up that stinker. That's going to happen from time to time. But I do think it was the right play. I mean, he's he's just been so good. I think he'll be good again this week. The thing about Jimmy Graham that I really like, first of all, Carolina is not very good against tight ends. Second of all, you look at his home games this year. He played Philadelphia last time, which is the best against tight ends, and he had 10 points. Um, and then before that, Buffalo, 103 for two touchdowns. Atlanta, 89. San Francisco, 100 and a touchdown. Those are his home games so far this season. He gets an, another home game against a team that's not good face tight end. So I think he's the best tight end of the week. He, I, I don't love his price, but you know what? If you're spending up on tight end, he's the guy to go to. Now, if you're spending down on a tight end, which contrarian play do you think could pop up in the million-dollar lineup this week? So here's another contrarian play from the Saints-Lions game, which is amazing to say that there could be a contrarian play in a game that everyone will look at. Um, But Josh Hill, he had six receptions for 74 yards last week, and he played 58 snaps while Kobe Fleener only played 18. The Saints are giving up on Fleener, and they could just end up making Hill the all-around tight end. The amount of snaps Fleener played last week is how many the backup plays on your favorite team and you don't even know what his name is. Like, he just comes in to block when the starting tight end is tired. And that's what Fleener did last week. And Detroit still struggles against tight ends. And the Saints are at home. Hill looks looks to be in a great position. And I bet there will be people who take Fleener. I'm glad that Fleener caught four passes for for 59 yards last week because – that will make him look like a decent play because he's not hes not at all. I mean, to go 100% efficiency on your four targets and catch 59 balls just screams regression. Like, he's about to go one catch for six yards and just disappoint the hell out of everybody who thought he'd destroy this Detroit team. And Josh Hill could be the guy who goes for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, we have Felina for 5% ownership, and I'm just shaking my head at that number like, People are going to do it, but it's just throwing money away. He's not going to be good this week. Maybe I'll eat my words. Maybe he'll get one of those uh, Kyle Rudolph games, one reception for one yard and a touchdown. But, um, you know, I, I'm not buying into Fleener at all, and I'm excited that other people are going to be playing him. Moving over to defense, is there a sneaky play that you think could force a bunch of turnovers this week? Yeah, as mentioned before, we think San Diego. They've been incredible at intercepting passes. They have 14 on the year. Uh, they're just their their DBs don't drop the ball, and most guys do. And Winston has been better at protecting the ball of late, but he does have a four interception game on his 2016 resume. He'll be traveling across the country on Sunday, which uh, statistically hurts the East Coast team. Uh, so I don't know how much that'll affect Winston, but he hasn't done it many times in his career. He's very young, and this will be a new experience for him. And his the supposedly the circadian rhythms actually do affect their play. Um, so making San Diego a decent bet overall. Um, but I think Winston is always capable of multiple interceptions and San Diego is a team capable of catching them. Justin, I was looking at the San Francisco 49ers and thinking, 
maybe, just maybe, in the snow against uh, an inexperienced quarterback like Barkley, who, yeah, he did look really good, but he's inexperienced, so maybe he has a bad game. And I'm looking at their game log. It's hard to remember that in week one, they shut out the Los Angeles Rams, and then they've given up at least 23 points in every single game, and at least 31 in every game except those two. It's just... I can't believe they pitched a shutout against that the Rams. That is crazy. That was the like absolute surprise of Week One when that happened. Because I remember we were driving home from the Redskins Steelers game, uh, disappointed that the Redskins lost, but it was kind of cool to see Brown catch that touchdown right in front of us, uh, where he did that three four pumps celebration. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we were we were right there in the front row, and he did that right in front of us. And so we were like, you know, Redskins lost, but that was cool. And then we're on the way home in the car, and we're checking the score, and we're like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, the Niners are winning 28-0? to What? Like, we thought they'd be horrible this year, and we were totally right. They are horrible. <laughs> so that was just a total fluke. I would not touch the 49ers defense. I think Jordan Howard will carve them up. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I would not do that. For me, the contrarian play is the Chicago Bears against those 49ers. And I know Kaepernick's been really good, but, you know, playing in the snow – I'm not so sure he's going to be able to cut it. He's a turnover machine. He hasn't been this year, but it's coming. It's coming one of these days, and it could be this week. You look at the Bears, too. They've got a lot of injured players, and so absolutely no one's going to be on them. We've got them at 0.3, ownership, and that might bump up during the week. But in the past four weeks, they've got five, five, and four sacks in those in four, three of those four games. They're getting to the quarterback, and when you get to the quarterback, you force turnovers too. I think this could be a huge week for them. I'm talking like 20-plus fantasy points, and if you don't have them, you're not winning the GPP. I'm going to have them in a couple GPP lineups. I'm excited about them. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. I mean, Kaepernick doesn't need too much encouragement to turn the ball over. <laughs> so, uh, I yeah, I don't think he's actually – he has not played one game all year without turning it over. So, and I think he's only – one time no you know what he did it he did it once I know he did it once because I said it that week uh that he always turns it over and I think he went at Arizona and miraculously did not turn the ball over so that was aggravating but and try to remember last year the stat was I don't know if he went an entire week without throwing a pick six um so (laughs) I don't know he was he threw a lot of pick sixes yeah yeah I mean yeah you could always justify picking against him and, uh, yeah, like you said, the Bears' defense is not bad, and they're they're actually expensive enough that it'll push all the ownership away from them. It's funny how much people will value two or $300. If it's a wide receiver, they won't care at all. But they're like, well, I'm not paying 4600 for my defense if I could pay 4300 And it's funny how it depends what position it is, uh, what people are willing to spend relative to the other options. And that's how you go contrarian. You overpay by $300, and there you go. You have a 1% owned defense against Colin Kaepernick in the snow, who also is unqualified to play in the snow. Now, Justin, if you need a real safe bet to score 10 fantasy points, it's got to be the Broncos against Blake Bortles, right? Absolutely. Yep. That's who we had. Uh, we have, he has 13 interceptions on the year. He's really taken a step back. Uh, I remember, I think, it, I don't know if it was on your podcast or a different radio one where I said, do not draft Blake Bortles in season long fantasy. Um, and I'm sure someone listening to the show right now is going, well, he also said don't draft Zeke Elliott, so you can't trust him. But uh, And that's true. I was wrong about Zeke Elliott, but I was definitely – we were on something with Blake Bortles. He has not been good at all. And uh, I expect Denver to force him to turn – force Bortles to turn the ball over and uh, could lead to some sacks easily if they're getting pressure on him and he just decides not to throw it, takes the sack, 
or he might throw it and hopefully throw a pick six. All right, moving over to stacks to close out the show. If you had to pick one stack for cash games, who do you trust the most? Uh, you know, interestingly enough, probably Matt Ryan and Julio Jones against the Chiefs. I mean, they I think they have the safest floor. Going against a pass defense that's allowing nine pass attempts to top wideouts a game. And in week four, they let A.B. score two touchdowns on them. Last week, Sanders put up 162 in a score. I know he's not considered their top wideout, but I mean, he's he's... It's, you can make a case for him up there with Deton. Uh, Ryan should look for Julio a ton. And he could also be going against Gaines, who has been struggling. So I think most people will just not want to touch an offense against the Chiefs. But uh, Vegas thinks that they'll be fine. So And we think they'll be fine. So if you want to do that, go for it. And uh, Atlanta is favored to win by five points in a over-under of 49, which I think is the second highest on the whole slate. So... Don't just be too afraid of the Chiefs' defense, although they are good. Julio Jones and Matt Ryan look like a very safe combo. For me, it's the Detroit stack. Uh, I just love going up against New Orleans. So I'm going Matthew Stafford, Marvin Jones, and Eric Ebron. I think that's a really safe play. I don't think that's going to win you any GPPs, but uh, I definitely think it's going to get you in the money if, if you run with those three. All right, now what about a contrarian stack? Someone that you think could maybe lead to a million-dollar prize this weekend? Yeah, yeah, I don't know how contrarian it'll be. Hopefully pretty contrarian. We think Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin. We're going to go right back to it after last week. Uh, how one week changes everyone's minds. I, it's funny because last week, Russell Wilson was undoubtedly the best quarterback in a lot of people's minds. And now uh, they're just like, how could you pick him again? Uh, and last week, everyone thought those guys were going to dominate Tampa Bay all by themselves. And Tampa was somehow able to control the game more than anyone expected but this week, they go up against the Carolina team that's struggling even more. They've allowed 338 yards through the air on the road. And they should be able to stop the Seattle running attack pretty well. I really don't think Thomas Rawls is that good. The Seattle offensive line is not good. Uh, and that should give Wilson a lot of opportunities to throw the ball. If Seattle can keep Carolina's front line in check enough to give him time to throw, um, then Carolina will have to force blitz from the linebackers giving one-on-one coverage to Baldwin and hopefully Graham. And uh, Baldwin has shown so he plays better against base 4-3 defenses than any other type of defense. And Carolina is, he they are a 4-3 base defense. So if Russell can use his legs, that should give him a nice floor. And I think this is the bounce back week for Doug Baldwin. I think he's got multiple touchdown upside and last week could keep his ownership a lot lower than it was uh, last week when everyone got burned. My contrarian play, and Philip Rivers is $8,200. A lot of people are going to be staying off him, even though he gets the Buccaneers. Plus, people are looking at the Buccaneers, and they're saying, man, they were really good against Seattle last week. They were really, really good two weeks before then. Maybe this Buccaneers defense is someone I should stay away from. I don't think so. I think this is going to be a really high-scoring game, maybe the second-highest-scoring game of the day. Um, and I think Philip Rivers is going to be throwing the ball a ton. So I've got him stacked with Dontrell Inman and Antonio Gates is my contrarian play because you know Gates uh, has a way to get himself multiple touchdowns here and there. And if you get those three guys and they go off, nobody else is going to have that lineup. So I like it a lot. I'm going to be penciling in uh, one of those lineups, and, and we'll see how it goes for me. Yeah, I like Gates also. He What did he put up? Zero last week? Uh, that should keep people off of him. And yeah, like you said, he's got multiple. Tons of potential for multiple upside. I'm starting him in my season-long team again, despite him burning me last week. Uh, and that team is playoff-bound, so it's no joke. 
All right, Justin. Well, that's all the questions we have for you this week. Uh, really appreciate you coming on, and hopefully uh, Russell Wilson or whoever our quarterback is doesn't burn us again. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Take care. And for those of you listening, we have three more shows coming up next week, highlighted by Scott Pianowski and Chris Harris, who are coming on. Also, jump on over to our baseball podcast. We're going to be airing a couple off-season shows, one of them coming up early next week. So subscribe on iTunes to both these shows if you haven't already. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.